welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. Hesha Abrams is a professional peacemaker and internationally acclaimed master attorney mediator, negotiator, and author known for crafting highly creative settlements and resolutions in very difficult matters. With 30 plus years in the trenches of resolving human conflict, she has recently distilled her skills into an easy to use toolkit. Her new book, Holding the Calm, The Secret to Resolving Conflict, and diffusing tension through stories and examples, she shares her secrets of enabling anyone to learn how to approach tense situations and prevent explosions, disarm conflicts, and reduce drama. It is her mission to help make our world, our businesses, and our relationships less acrimonious and more harmonious. Hesha, welcome to the show. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, before we get into what you do, I want to know a little bit more about you and where you're from uh, in terms of being an entrepreneur. As somebody who, with somebody who makes books, I consider you, you know, created a book. It is a product. You are an entrepreneur. Are you from a family of entrepreneurs? Are you for the first? Where, where does this spirit come from to, to create the book and, and go off on your own? Well, I had a crazy dysfunctional family. And so I spent a lot of years in therapy, which is mm. why I think I have the skill set that I have. Yeah. And why I have a lot of empathy for people because nobody gets out of this life alive, first of all, and nobody is whole. Everybody is scarred. Everybody's got junk. And it just helps you deal with the difficulties um, in life. And so I'm very non-kumbaya. Life is hard. There's challenges. There's difficulties. There's narcissists and and, uh, psychopaths and liars and saboteurs. And then we sometimes don't behave at our best. And so that's the real live world. And that's the world that you know, has been my career. And uh, I wanted to write about it so that this isn't uh, just for professionals, that everybody can use this to make their life a little better because God knows we need it, right? Yeah, 100%. You're right. And uh, so on the topic of the book, before we dive into the book a little bit further, I'm just curious about where the title came from. Um, and and then what, is it, what does it mean exactly holding the calm to you? Yeah, and I really was hesitant to use it because it sounds a little too Zen Kumbaya for me, and I'm a pretty mm-hmm. tough cookie. But what happens is, and I'll do a little bit of neuroscience for dummies for us in this in a moment, but we all have an amygdala, which is the fear and negativity center of our brain, and it's the fight, flight, freeze response. Mm-hmm. And so telling somebody, calm down, take a deep breath, is literally the worst thing you could say. Mm-hmm. All it does is make your amygdala feel depowered and powerless, which activates it more. And you literally get something called ocular occlusion and auditory exclusion, which basically just means your eyes and your ears shut down and you get tunnel vision. So over the years, what do I do for myself? I'm human. Someone can trigger me. Someone could push my buttons. I say to myself, I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. Takes two seconds. And what it says to my amygdala is, hey, girlfriend, you got choices. You got options. You don't have to react here. You are not powerless. What do you choose to do? That's two seconds. Now I can make choices. What outcome do I hope to achieve? Friend or foe? Do I choose to fight with you? Do I choose to retreat? Do I choose to do something from the side? How do I maintain and keep my power? And so that's why I named it that. But the longer title, which is The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension, Mm -hmm. it's a little longer than I would like. 
But the reason I did that is because 100% of conflict starts with tension. And the tension can be, or it can be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is honestly sometimes a little harder to deal with. Yeah. So what I'm trying to show people is, for God's sakes, you know, we've all dripped spaghetti sauce on the counter. You wipe it up with a sponge, no big deal, right? You leave it overnight, you're scraping it off with a knife. Mm. You leave it for three or four months or three or four years, and it's really old and moldy and nasty. And that, my friends, is tension and conflict. And so the real question is, why don't we wipe it up when it's wet? We all know to do that. Well, we're afraid. We might make it worse. I don't know what your reaction is going to be. I don't know if I can handle what your reaction is going to be. So we don't do stuff. So I wanted to show people that you can do it early, but if you can't get it early, okay, here's how you do it when it's hard. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for unpacking that. Uh, if you, how, how do you find a solution when a solution seems impossible? And we've all confronted that in life where it's just like, <laughs> what is going to happen next? Yeah. Yeah. It's always the case. Curios First of all, curiosity is your friend. That's the number one thing, because I guarantee you, whatever you think is going on for the other side is either wrong or very incomplete. And it, you can find holes. People will take a position to achieve an outcome. I don't want that position because it doesn't work for me. But if I know the outcome, I might be able to get there a back way or a side way. So can I give your listeners a, a quick little story? Because Please one's do. Please about. do. We love stories. So I got this one. I heard it on uh, NPR's Hidden Brain, and the book was already in publication at the time. But it makes such a perfect point. So there was a couch company, and they sold twenty dollars and $30,000 bespoke couches. You pick fancy fabric and the piping and the length and the height, all the kind of junk. People would go through with their designers, design, spend hours, design this couch, and at the point of sale, not complete the sale. Hmm. Well, the company was flummoxed. How could that possibly be? And so as human beings, what we do is we have gas and we have a break. And most of us don't put on the break, which is curiosity. We put on more gas. So more sales, more promotion, more pushing. You know, that's what we tend to do. And it didn't work. And finally, somebody said, let's put the break on. Let's in, uh, hire somebody to call all these people at the point of sale and say, do you mind if I ask why you didn't complete the sale? Mm -hmm. The number one reason why people who could afford a twenty dollars to $30,000 couch didn't complete the sale, drum roll please, they didn't know what to do with the old couch. Wow. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. So the solution is obvious now. When you buy a new one, we'll take away your old one and we'll give you a donation slip to Habitat or something. Mm -hmm. But no one had ever, ever found that out. That is the number one thing to do to figure something out. But when it's hard is when I hate your guts or you're hurting me or you're just too stupid to talk to, or I can't believe you would say or think or do something like that. We have to get past that because then you are giving away your power. I'm all about keeping your power. I want my power. These tricks and holding the calm that I put in the book are how do you keep your power? I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, without actually showing that you're trying to maybe have the power sort of thing. Uh, if you do, you touched on this before. You right at the beginning of the show, you, you said you were you were giving the you were giving the example of like telling people to calm down and it doesn't work. I can't. I, there was another book I've read recently that that talked about this too, and I have I have since been trying to convince my 14 year old daughter 
<laughs> to not use that anymore because she'll tell me that she'd be like calm down i'm like you're not helping like trust me you're not helping and i'm a contrarian so it makes it even worse for somebody like me who like is always the opposite um so if you could unpack further why does arguing and persuading not work what works because the amygdala which again is that fear and negativity center always is triggered when you feel powerless so if somebody does something that says hey i got the power you don't I'm smart, you're dumb, I know the right answer, I'm gonna explain it to you. All that does to the amygdala is go crunch. Mm. You know, There is no way I'm gonna to listen to you about anything, whether I fight you or whether I do the mm-hmm-hmm mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And that's why the, the best sentence you can ever say is, tell me more. That's the number one best thing you can do that open, because it shocks somebody. You're really listening to me? Yeah. And often happens is that as somebody is talking and venting they're saying stupid stuff because they're angry they're upset and then if you let them talk they'll go i didn't mean it that way it really wasn't what i intended or it came out harsher than i wanted and let but i'm all about the advanced course so let's do the advanced course here and this will work on your teenager okay. as well as that idiot colleague at work or your boss or your idiot brother-in-law it works on all of them when I tell people this is great for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, someone says something idiotic. Usually it's political. Yeah, yeah. Idiotic. And they either do it intentionally because they know they're poking a button uh -huh. or they're clueless and stupid and just sure. think everyone shares their opinions. You cannot engage in a debate and a discussion. You will lose. It won't work. So this and, and the book, what I did is I have sentence stems throughout the book. And I tell people, put it on a post-it note by your phone, put it in a note on yeah. your phone so that at the moment of of you know <laughs> when you need it you know you've got it so let's say lance you're just spouting over the mouth on something that i think is stupid i'm gonna say lance you know what i admire about you guess what you stop talking you want to hear <laughs> what i am going to say <laughs> you stop talking yeah. Yeah. you are all moi i am all ears and this is all about verbs my friends Let's say I don't like you. I can say, you know what I admire about you? You know what I like about you? Do you know what I respect about you? It's your daughter. You know what I love about you? You know, you know what I'm interested in about you? You can choose any verb you want that feels authentic to you. And then say something valid and true, like your passion, your enthusiasm, your commitment, your determination, See how many words I have? I mean, thesaurus are us. You can find so many that are honest and authentic. So you're not pandering and sucking up and, you know, saying lies because then yeah. you don't have any integrity. But when I do that, 90% of the time, the person just sits back with a, I don't know what to say now. Like you literally pull the rug out from underneath them because I think I was just complimented. Was I insulted? No, I think I was complimented. Do they really like me or respect me? Okay. And then in neuroscience, there's something called the bias of reciprocity. They've actually proven this, and it works about 85 to 88% of the time. We are wired from our caveman days that if I do something for you, you kind of feel this urge to do yeah. something for me, even if you don't like me, mm -hmm. even if you don't want to, there's this Ugh, unpaid debt thing. Well, if I listen to you, there is this unspoken thing that, oh crap, now I'm really going to listen to you. Oh my God, maybe actually listening to each other. And it's so simple. 
and so subtle. I use it. I mean, I use it in my family relationships, which are terrific and wonderful. And proof is that my daughter-in-law loves me, which I don't have mother-in-law jokes in my family because I know how to do it. I know how to be able to do that. And I want everyone to have access to that stuff. And what I tell people is choose one technique, one, play with it. All of a sudden it becomes yours. Now choose a second one. And before you know it, what will happen is people won't say, oh my goodness, Lance, you really know how to hold the calm. They're just going to say, you just get stuff done. You just seem to move through life easily. You really seem to get what you want. That's the kind of stuff people say to you. So, so it really is not about like in that, I love that you brought up, it was the perfect scenario they brought up. Thanksgiving dinner, whatever, family's there, left wing, right wing, somebody's going to make a comment. It's going to come out. I mean, the politics are just, it's just too polar as this point in society, which is kind of leads to my next question here is, so it's, so it is not about, this is a way for me to then win the political argument. It's about, I've diffused the whole thing. We're moving on. That, I mean, because we all know, like, that wasn't going to be productive anyway, even if you would have had some tool to, like, right. eventually beat them in whatever argument it is. Right. And, you know, sometimes, because I'm I'm very pragmatic, sometimes someone will say, well, that's a point I hadn't thought of, because they can freaking stop and listen to what you have to say. Yeah. And most of the polarizing that happens doesn't happen because people really believe it. If you took someone that's a staunch Republican and a staunch Democrat and said, read the party's platform. You don't agree with all of it. Take a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Jew, a Catholic, and read the actual you know, ten testaments of the okay. faith. You don't agree with all of them. What happens is that we are go team. I'm yeah. an Aggie, I'm a Longhorn, I'm a Cubs fan, I'm a whatever. And you join the team. And then, well, you know, our guy's not so bad because he's better than the other guy, because we're part of that team. So when you don't make yourself an enemy of the team, you can dissolve things around the edges. That's how I resolve really mm. big, horrible, difficult things is you don't hit them head on in the middle. You dissolve them from the edges out. And it's almost like a sleeper cell moving in to where someone doesn't actually change their mind, but they do something different. Okay, that's work. What outcome do I hope to achieve here? So how do I get you moving along and it becomes honestly almost like a game it becomes like a fun thing where oh yeah let me give you one more just fun example that'll make your listeners laugh okay they have done study after study after study on this uh bananas 25 cents each how many would you buy i don't know i like bananas i buy a couple bananas four for a dollar 35 percent boost in sales now that's just stupid <laughs> It's proven across every socioeconomic, yeah. every age, every gender, every religion. It's a human being thing. Mm. Want more? An extra 10% boost? Limit two. Not going to let that guy get my bananas. Right. It's so, human beings are so fascinating. And if we look at it from that perspective, as opposed to what a jerk, what an idiot you are, because that's easy to do. Yeah. Most of us are one trick ponies. We have one thing we do. I try with you. You're an idiot. It didn't work. Boom. You're dismissed. Well, you're not an idiot. You have, I mean, unless you really are a legitimate sociopath or legitimately insane, you have an opinion. You have reasons why you have that opinion. And so by interacting with you, 
your my world just gets broader and bigger. You become more effective. You become more able to get things done, more able to not have your power taken away. And isn't that honestly the name of the game? Yeah, a hundred percent. In the age of social media, though, how does this work out? I mean, that's one of the reasons I think it's objectively, it's got to be objectively true at this point. You just look at the rise of the iPhone or whatever handheld device, uh, the mobile phone, and then you couple that with like then the app downloads, which then shows that like, yep, that's where the social media explosion happened. And then you layer on one more graph on top of that and you go, and here's where the polarization really started to take off. So I would love in, in that, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to frame this question in the sense of like, I, if you could keep that framework in mind, you were nodding your head there. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that we need more civilized discussion and dispute resolution now in society. How does it work in this new social media age that has absolutely polarized us? It's unequivocally true. You know, it just memes at this point. Yes, you're totally right. So look, like I told you, my whole big thing is that best is the enemy of better. I learned that when I mediated a case for a big manufacturer years ago. And I was younger and he said that to me. And I said, that's stupid, that's ridiculous. Of course I want best. He said, no, 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 Hesha. Best is the enemy of better. Yeah. And over the years I have found he's absolutely correct. And so right now the social media stuff is a disease in our society. We're gonna have to find a way to cure it and it's not gonna happen tomorrow. It's gonna happen slowly over time where individuals like you and me and everyone smart enough to listen to this podcast says, I'm the grown-up in the room. I actually have a chapter in the book called Be the Grown-Up in the Room. How do you do that? So the people that are on social media doing that stuff, all they're doing is demonstrating, hey, I am emotionally immature. <laughs> That's yeah, literally I know. what they're yeah. doing. Mm -hmm. And so I choose not to play that game. I choose not to respond that way. And so the more of us that are grown-ups actually say, I'm going to be a grown up here and this is how I'm going to handle it. And that's why I give these techniques in the book, because you're human. You could trigger, you could, how can you possibly think that? I mean, just look at the abortion debate, you know, baby killer, get your hands off my body. There's no middle ground. Yeah. There. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My God. Right. And so being able to talk to people and soften some of those things is the only thing that's going to let us take civility back in our society. And I can't control everything. I control my little circle. I wrote my book. I'm on your podcast. You're doing a podcast. People are listening to our podcast. Yeah. We are all ripples in the water. And so if I do something and affect my circle, everyone listening to this today can affect their circle. We're like cells in a body. And the healthier we get, we will eventually purge this virus. And it's going to take some time. That's just the way it's going to be. But it doesn't mean the work's not worth doing. And I just... I'm I'm a grown up and I'm just standing for the proposition that we can be grown ups. Yeah, I would I would like to believe that as well. And I'm with you. It, it seems like we're in this weird place and but it's it's temporary just like anything. The only thing that's fixed is the change, right? In in life. Uh you talked about being triggered. And so I would I'm curious just personally and then maybe you actually even talk about this in the book how how do you calm yourself down if you're triggered like you said you're a human it's going to happen there's some, there's something that's going to just set you off in positive or negative or whatever way what methods are you using Hesha 
Well, the first one is the title of my book. It's a mantra. I literally say to myself, I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. That takes two seconds. And it reminds me of my power. It reminds me of the ability that I have. That's, that's step one. Step two is I don't have to engage with you. Um, I don't have to. You know, let me, can I, I want to give you an example that just happened this weekend that, you know, some of your listeners will, the women will laugh more than the guys, but guys, you'll tell the story to some of the women in your lives. Um, I'm at this wedding and there's this woman next to me who's a stranger, don't know who she is. Mm -hmm. I took my lipstick out and I put some lipstick on. She said, oh, can I use some of that? Oh, that's a really creepy, weird thing to do. It's a very personal hygiene product. I literally just went, Okay. And I handed it to her. She put it on. And then to add insult to injury, she said, oh, don't worry. I don't have a cold sore or anything. So now it's like, oh, geez, I, <laughs> this is a brand new $25 lipstick. And I just tossed it in the trash. And I mentioned it to my friend and she said that she was going to say something to her. And I said, no, don't, because it was my fault. I could have said, you know what? I don't share personal products, mm. but I didn't. I didn't think of it in the moment. And socially I felt put upon the spot. And so I gave in. So, but that's my, that's me being a grown up. I lost my brand new lipstick. It was my fault because I had the power. So what that means is that the next time that happens and it will, I'm going to come from a place of power. And that's the best is the enemy of better thing to all of our listeners. You are going to make a thousand mistakes just this year, just this year. You only have to be right on like 900 of them. That's a 90% average. Yeah. If you think of it like that, you just get better and better and it's continuous improvement. Then you say to yourself, by the time I finally get it, all right, then I'm ready to exit this life, but I'm going to keep learning and growing until I get there. Yeah, yeah. I love it all. I mean, you really have convinced me to pick up the book. I hope our <laughs> listeners are feeling Glad. the same. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's a, you just, I like how you are making me think that if I, can master some of the techniques in your book that I become a, a more powerful person, but not through force or anything like that. And, and that it could be a game. Like that sounds really, what a, what an extra level of fun you're adding to life. It seems like in this yeah. regard. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you, because so, things so stressful, it's so stressful. Let's just gamify it and turn it around and say, I could have, I almost want someone now to ask me to borrow my lipstick again. I'm going to look forward to that opportunity. Or tell me who to vote for. I mean, you're really speaking my language here. This is great. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. I you love, know, I love, I love it. it. Uh, Hasha, you have been a fantastic guest. Uh, we're running up on the half hour here. And uh, I have two questions that I end up asking everybody. First one is, excuse me, knowing, knowing what you know now, and if you can go back in time to when you first started practicing and working in your field, what is one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Uh, I would have listened more to the people who tried to mentor me. I was young and cocky and arrogant and was on fire to find my place in the world. And there were people that tried to help and mentor along the way. And it was usually to slow down, you know, be a little more careful, you know, stuff like that. And I, I didn't listen as well as I could have. And I think it may have been better, but no, it turned out okay. But uh, I have a whole chapter in the book on that. I call it um, getting a dozen roses. When somebody wants to give you advice, what we usually do is go, don't tell me what to do. I know, but get, get away from me. But when someone's giving you advice, they're giving you a dozen roses. 
you can take them. And then when they turn around, throw it in the garbage. You yeah. can do anything you want, but at McKinsey and Company charges millions of dollars. Arthur Anderson charges millions of dollars for advice. So now I'm wise enough that I like free advice. I take it or I don't. It's my choice, but I get it. And I've often found it to be valuable. That's yeah. a great question, by the way. No one's asked me that one. I like it. You're very welcome. No one's answered in the way you did. So I really, I really appreciate that. Cause I, I always pontificate about this idea of unsolicited advice. Um, and so I'm, I'm with you hundred percent there. Like, yes, there's the natural reaction of like, Ew, it's unsolicited. I don't like it, but take it or leave it. That's a great, take that's a great outlook. Yeah. And then, and think about what happens if someone gives you unsolicited advice, you just go, thank you for the suggestion. You just gave him a dozen roses back. <laughs> yeah, you did. You, yeah, you, you did. don't have to say I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. You can just go, that's a good suggestion. I'll think about it. Yeah. How fantastic is that? And then you do what the hell you want. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Hesha, again, this has been so great. Uh, think, oh, if people want to find, they want to follow you, they want to pick up the book, where can they do those things? So the book is everywhere, obviously, and but it's Amazon's the biggest one. And if you get it, if you'd be kind enough to leave a review, that helps that search engine optimization junk. I also have a webpage, holdingthecalm.com, where I don't sell the lists. It's everything is free. Every podcast I've been on, every training I've done is all on there. And then I have a little uh, email list that, you know, once a month I send out little wisdom tidbit things about helping your life. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I post there a lot, little mm -hmm. short, how do you make life easier for yourself kind of stuff. And then my secretary has a Facebook page for holding the calm that I never look at. She just posts the things I tell her. So I know it's on there. Um, and, uh, I'm happy to connect with people as much as we can and, uh, try to get this stuff going. Cause it'll make life so much easier for the, everybody. It'll make the world better. Like I am a huge believer that Hesha is, is going to change the world. I just actually, you can't see it because I have the uh, background thing on, but I just looked up while she was giving us the outro there. It's on audiobook as well. I'm an audio person yes. because of the ADHD. And therefore, I just picked it up myself. It's a, like like a four and a half hour read. D do you read it yourself, Hesha? Or is I it don't. I hired somebody, and she's got the most beautiful, melodious voice. Perfect. It's really pretty. Perfect. Well, I'm on it. I hope everybody else will be on it again. Thanks for your time today, Hesha. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, everyone.